for me, I got to work with so many amazing firms. I got to know them on a different level than you would as a student. And so that's when I started realizing that it might not be the right career path for me because you see behind the veil, you see what actually happens when you do become a lawyer, that it's not as glamorous as you think it's going to be. And Welcome to The Wired Wick, demystifying tech law trends and educating about law in tomorrow's society. Hello and welcome back to The Wired Wig. My name is Annabelle Pemberton and today I'm joined by Bianca Korobtov, who is a Warwick Law School graduate and is currently working at Microsoft as a customer success account manager. Bianca, thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Huge fan. Thank you. So today we really want to discuss like how you are studying law. This the role that you're actually doing today and the steps that you took in your journey, because I'm really intrigued about how you went from your position as the president of the Commercial Law Society to deciding to pivot to actually not become a lawyer and the decisions you made along the way. So maybe let's start from the beginning and discuss what drew you to studying law in the UK initially. background, so I was born in Romania. I came to England when I was 11 in 2008. I didn't speak any English. Um, And so when I came here, it was very much a sink or swim situation, learn the language and then focus on something academic. I started having a kind of vague interest in law. didn't really know if it was the right career path for me. I looked into it briefly. And then when I was in secondary school, um, the Pathway to Law program was advertised, which is essentially a an external program that allows secondary school students to go to UCL or LSE or any kind of contributing universities um, and study law at the weekend um, Mm -hmm. and figure out if this is what they want to do. So it's a two-year program. I took some of the sessions, really enjoyed it, knew that there was a significant difference between studying law and actually practicing law. Mm -hmm. Um, But at that point, I found it really interesting. So we learned things like the automatism, defense, so things that are really interesting and that would draw you towards studying law. Um, So that was kind of the foundational stage of me wanting to go into law. I found it really interesting. Um, There wasn't really anything else I wanted to do. And I knew it would provide a good foundation for anything I did in life. Um, so applied to various universities and ended up at Warwick. Mm-hmm. And then when you started studying law, did you know straight away from sort of first day of freshers that you wanted to be a lawyer or were you still a bit apprehensive about it? So I think by the end of the Pathways to Law program, I was very adamant that I wanted to go into corporate commercial law. Mm-hmm. So as part of the program, I interned active return. And so, you know, the glitter and the glamour of that and being so young at that point, I was so adamant that I wanted to go into law and no one could change my mind otherwise. And so coming into Warwick, I knew that I just needed to follow the steps almost mechanically to then Mm -hmm. eventually get to the stage that I wanted to get to. It was a very straightforward path. And from the very beginning, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. But things changed halfway through university. So took a good route. Yes, absolutely. And I think I think it's a really fascinating story how you were the president of the Commercial Law Society as well. And now that you're working in technology and 
this is definitely not to say that's a bad thing at all. I just think it's really interesting. Like at what at what point did you suddenly realize that maybe law wasn't for you? So I was the president of the Commercial Law Society and I was also a campus ambassador for Linklaters. So okay. <laughs> at that point, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. It was just a case of finding the right firm for me. Mm. Ironically, I ended up ruining a friendship over the Commercial Law Society because I was so, I know, competitive or okay. ambitious or whatever you want to call it, um, that I, I just really wanted to be the president and nothing could stand in my way. Um, um, basically, that was a great experience. I think being the president of any society teaches you a lot of things. It teaches Absolutely. you diplomacy. It teaches you how to deal with people, but also in terms of law and the exposure. For me, I got to work with so many amazing firms. I got to know them on a different level than you would as a student. And so that's when I started realizing that it might not be the right career path for me because you see behind the veil, you see what actually happens when you do become a lawyer, that it's not as glamorous as you think it's going to be. And as much as you, you either genuinely have an interest in being a lawyer, in which case, excellent career path. But mm-hmm. if you have the slightest bit of reservation about being a lawyer, that should ring alarm bells and you should maybe try and see if there's anything else for you. And then I started interviewing for vacation schemes and I had incredibly polished answers that were ready to go, but I didn't believe in anything I was saying. And, okay. you know, when they start asking you why this firm through comparison to another firm, and you know that what you're saying isn't what you genuinely believe, because to me, it got to a point where I felt like, most firms were quite similar. And although they had one or two differentiating factors, there wasn't anything that was really standing out to me. But mm. if you would have heard me in those interviews, you would have believed me 100% that I wanted to work there. Yes. And I think when you're surrounded by other law students as well, who are really eager to get into commercial law and do things, even if you have an inkling that that's not what you want to do, you're already sort of on this treadmill with everyone else. And exactly. you just don't know where to step off. And, you know, your best friends around you are landing those vacation schemes and are going on and they're encouraging you in the best way possible to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to turn around to people and say, actually, this this isn't for me. So I complain, you know, mm-hmm. stepping away from that definitely gave me some space. And do you feel that stepping away in the form of your year abroad as well really helped you make that decision? Yeah, yeah, very much so, I think. Uh, so I don't know if, if I've mentioned this to you but I wasn't meant to go on a year Um, and it took a few you know kicking of doors um a few asking people very politely um having quite a few meetings with the law school to explain why I decided incredibly last minute I wanted to do a year abroad and the only reason why I managed to actually go was because the internal deadline of Warwick had passed but the Hong Kong University deadline was that night and so in an absolute last ditch attempt to get this, Warwick said, do you know what? If Hong Kong University accepts you last minute, there's nothing we can do to stop you. So apply, see if you get in. You probably won't, um, you know, but take your chances. And I did. Um, And then with one month's notice, I packed my bags and I moved halfway across the world to study law in Hong Kong. Yes. And can can you talk a bit about your experience there as well? Like, in terms of the academics but also just your experience from your year abroad because personally I always find it really fascinating to hear about other people's years abroad because when I went on mine I I really enjoyed it and it really added an edge to my degree and I think without 
doing my year abroad, I wouldn't have the interest in law and technology that I have now, because I really just think it changes people with trajectories and how they see things as well. So that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, you were in the same position as as I was in, so you can understand a little bit better than I think most people what you go through when you're in that situation where you've essentially left your life behind and you've moved to a brand new place. It was a completely different experience to anything I could have even imagined. The education system is completely different to what we have in the UK. They have professors that have been seconded into Hong Kong University rather than their own professors. Mm-hmm. There's a very limited number of, of people that are actually there full time. The rest of them come from Harvard, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge. And so I had exposure to so many incredibly bright people that I would have never been able to meet otherwise. So my interest in AI didn't stem from going to Hong Kong. It mm-hmm. was amplified in Hong Kong. Okay. Um, and so all of the research that I had done and all of that knowledge, I got to put in essays to have discussions with the people around me. And I realized that not only was I enjoying what I was talking about, I actually had something to add to the conversation mm-hmm. uh, occasionally. And um, essentially I took, so for instance, I took investment law. And as part of that, I wrote a paper on China's investment in artificial intelligence and what they've done, which is, if you've got any interest in that, an incredible topic in itself that I would highly encourage people to look into. Off the back of that, um, I got to go back to Hong Kong actually the summer before I started working um, on a full expense paid trip to finish that research, the research paper that I had started. Um, so the flexibility there is so much more than what I expected. And that meant that all of my essays were somewhat linked to either technology or AI. Um, and I got to delve deeper than I could have ever delved in, into those topics in, in the UK. So off the back of that, I started realizing that I had a genuine interest in AI as a whole, but mm-hmm. also in very specific parts of it. And coming back was very difficult yes. to go back to studying the, the Warwick way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also started making me question whether I actually did want to be a lawyer. A little bit more than I did when I first left. So when I first left, it was very much a, oh, at some point you'll snap out of this and you will want to be a lawyer again. When I came back from Hong Kong, I knew that I needed to get out of law. Yep. And so I suppose even though you had this interest in law and technology before you left and AI and the law, that year abroad really was like the pushing point for you to... Yeah. And I think having traveled to 13 countries in however long I was in Hong Kong for, Mm -hmm. I think it also just put life into perspective a little bit for me. So before I used to walk around and tell people that I didn't care about doing crazy hours and I wanted to be a workaholic and I saw joy in working in the office until four or five in the morning because that's what I wanted to do. And I think everything just changed. My mind, my mindset completely shifted. Um, And I realized that there's so much more to life than working. Yes, yes. It's the whole paradox of do you work to live or do you live to work? And I know this is sort of bittersweet to say this year because I I acknowledge a lot of students weren't able to go on their year abroad. But um, for those who are going to be able to do it, I think it's so helpful because it gives you, you're just one year older and you have a bit more perspective on life. (laughs) How many years you spend at university actually has no bearing in how you're perceived in a job. I was always so scared that 
I would be so much older than the the intake that I'd be in at any company or any firm, whatever. And it actually makes no difference. Um, And so if anyone has any reservations about going on their year abroad because they're scared about what that, how that will reflect on their age group when they join a company, I really shouldn't worry about that. For me, I was somewhat worried about the financial strain of going abroad because Hong Kong is known as such an expensive country. Um, But there are so many bursaries out there. There's so many opportunities of, of, things supporting you to go on a year abroad. So if again, if that's an issue, have a chat with your university, they can definitely support you. But also I got to do an internship in Amsterdam before I came back to the mm-hmm. UK. Um, and I think that also made me realize that I needed to find an alternative career path. Yes, absolutely. So so this internship at TomTom, how did you get the internship and what were you doing as an intern? <laughs> It's, it's a brilliant story. Um, so, right, where do I start? Uh, essentially, as part of the Pathways to Law, so once I finished the Pathways to Law, I became a mentor at university for students that were in my position in that year. And as part of that, we got to go to a dinner at the Inner Temple, which is this amazing place. Mm-hmm. And um, I got sat on a random table with random people that I had a conversation about my life with and children and what they were doing, you know, for their holiday. And then they realized I was from Romania. So we spoke about that for a while. And um, at one point, one of the attendees that was sitting right in front of me said something along the lines of, well, Barack and Michelle were saying, and at that point something clicked in my mind and I was like, hold on a second, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) I had spoken to these people for a few hours at that point and we were talking about very trivial things like where their kids went to uni and like where they were holidaying and at no point did it even cross my mind to ask what they did because I thought they were lawyers and um, the lady in front of me said hi my name's Karine I'm the founder of TomTom and the gentleman next to me said hi my name's Craig Coburn I am the managing director of capital markets at Bank of America and I remember I just sat there thinking, oh dear God, I, I've ruined all of my chances to be <laughs> professional with these people ever in my life because, you know, usually you'd kind of try and sneak your like, CV yeah. in, like, this is what I've done, this is why I'm good, please hire me. But I hadn't done any of that. And at the end, they both turned around to me and they said, do you know what, you are one of the first people that has treated us like humans, that hasn't tried to push her CV, that hasn't tried to get a job out of us. So here is our card, keep in touch. <laughs> Throughout the years, I had sent them a Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday, Hope You Well kind of messages on LinkedIn or via email. And when I was in Hong Kong and I realized that I didn't want to be a traditional lawyer, um, I remembered the offer that Kareem had, had given. So I emailed her and I said, hey, you know, if the offer still stands, I would love to understand a little bit more about Tom Tom's culture, about being an in-house lawyer. Um, and she replied to me saying, yeah, no problem. Like, let's get something set up. You can mm-hmm. have a conversation with our head of um, IP and we can go from there. And I had an interview, which was probably the most informal thing I've ever done, which was literally just talking about my interests and in, in Tom Tom and what I want to do in the future and all of that stuff. Um, and they turned around to me and they said, yeah, like you, you seem like the right fit. You've got the right qualifications. Let's get you in. So I moved I came back from Hong Kong. I was home for a week and mm-hmm. then I flew out to Amsterdam and I moved there for four months. Nice. Um, and this should have been my dream job. 
this is what I wanted to do. Even before I came to Warwick, I knew that I wanted to go in-house at some point. But as you know, the mentality is that you eventually transition in-house after you've had the experience in a commercial law firm. Um, and so I never thought that I could get there straight away. Um, and you know what? The internship itself was beyond what I could have expected. It was, it taught me so much. The people that I was surrounded by were incredible. I got so much exposure to stuff that I would have never had a chance to see, but I was still incredibly unhappy. And again, that rang alarm bells in my mind. And I thought, you know what, if your dream job still makes you feel like this, there's something wrong. And I didn't want to just go through the motions for the sake of it. So I thought, you know what, let's look at other career paths. At the end of the day, law is always going to be here. I can go back to it at another point in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is when I came across Microsoft. <laughs> Fantastic. No, I, I really love that. And it's very, you know, it's very genuine of you to, that's how you got to TomTom Tom and that's oh, yeah. eventually how you got to Microsoft as well. And that you realized when you were at TomTom Tom that, you know, it wasn't the place for you and law wasn't the career for you. And I think it's yeah. really good that you realized it early because imagine working all those hours and doing all those applications for commercial law and, and all the TC apps and then getting there being I don't know six months in being completely burnt exactly. out and then realizing actually no I don't want to do this it takes you know it takes a while it takes a bit of reflection to mm -hmm. say actually this is not for me and it was hard yes. and I think I almost gave my mom a slight heart attack when I turned around to her in my final year of uni after paying so much for university and said I don't want to be a lawyer and mm -hmm. then she said, okay what do you want to be and I was like I don't know I just don't want to be a lawyer mm -hmm. um and again, TomTom Tom was incredible. It was exactly what I would have wanted my job to be in the future. It yes. just, I just wasn't that person anymore. I think when the Bianca that started the journey in 2014 and the Bianca that came back from Hong Kong are two very different people. This is one of two of a two-part series with Bianca. In the second episode, she talks more about her current role at Microsoft, how she got there and the application process. As always, if you liked what you just heard, be sure to follow this account on Spotify and follow The Wired Wig on Instagram for the latest tech law news and updates.